podcast, a podcast about music, health, wellness, and activism that will help you to find balance between life as a musician and self-care through health and wellness. I'm your host, Jazzy Piggott, a tuba player, composer, certified personal trainer, writer, educator, and podcaster based in Baltimore, Maryland. In today's episode, I'll be talking about boundaries, signs you need them, different types of boundaries, how to set boundaries, possible reactions to setting boundaries, and how to handle them. This episode is based on the book Set Boundaries, Find Peace, A Guide to Reclaiming Yourself by Nedra Glover Tawab. And this is a revision of episode three titled Setting Boundaries, I believe, um, back at the very beginning of this podcast. So if you really want to go check that one out, go check that one out. But this one's going to be just as good, if not better. So what are boundaries? Boundaries are lines that you set up to protect yourself. They are a form of self-care. They allow you to be able to help others by making sure you can be your best self. Boundaries can look like stating you won't do something, not entertaining certain conversations or behaviors, putting time limits on things, and more. Signs you need boundaries. So when you don't have boundaries in your life, there are several signs that you should probably start implementing different boundaries in your life. So there are seven of these. So the first is that you feel overwhelmed. You're constantly stressed out and you think you have too much to do. That means you probably don't have a boundary around something that you need. Two, you feel resentful. If you feel resentful towards anybody, that means that they're probably taking advantage of you in some way and you're kind of letting them do that. People don't know they're taking advantage of you most of the time unless you let them know they're taking advantage of you or you put up a reason for them to be like, oh, maybe I'm taking advantage of her. So if you're feeling resentful towards anybody in your life, it's probably because of a lack of boundaries. Three, you practice avoidance. So this means like ignoring texts and emails and phone calls. I do this sometimes. But basically, that also means that you don't have a boundary set up where you don't get texts or emails after a certain time, or if you cap how much you are receiving a day, or you tell people, hey, don't email me or text me or call me about this thing, that's where a boundary would be helpful. So if you are avoiding things rather than kind of confronting them head on, it's a sign that you might need a boundary. Four, you feel a lack of reciprocation in relationships. So this means that you feel like your friendships are basically one-sided. I know that was how most of my friendships were for a while because I didn't have any boundaries set up to protect myself from being overused in a way of people oversharing to me and me not being able to share anything back. Like that's not a reciprocal friendship and I allowed that to happen by not establishing a boundary. Five, you feel burnt out. I did a whole episode on burnout. That was episode 23, so go back and check that out. But burnout is basically this feeling of mental and physical exhaustion where you really just can't do anything anymore. 
So that means you probably don't have a boundary set up that's keeping you from that level of exhaustion. Six, you have been disappearing in your relationships. If you find yourself slowly sneaking into the shadows whenever you get the chance, kind of like avoidance, but a little bit different, like you're just not responding to things like at all. It's not even like you're ignoring them. You're just not responding to them. You're choosing, you're opening the text. You see somebody said, hi, how are you? And you're just like, nah, I'm not going to answer that. So that's disappearing. And if you've been disappearing in your relationships, that probably means there's some sort of resentment there to lead you to disappear. And that means you are avoiding it because it's causing you a certain level of stress that it shouldn't. Putting a boundary up will make it so that that relationship will no longer cause you that stress because you have a line of things that you will and will not tolerate. And finally, number seven, you feel that you have a lack of time for yourself or to get things done that you need to do. So if you don't feel like you have enough time for yourself and like you don't have enough time to get everything done, that means you're not using your time well enough. And that's probably because of a boundary. That means you're probably using your time to help somebody else out with their tasks and you're not leaving enough time for yourself. You need to make time for yourself and that is a right you have and that's a boundary you need to set to not let people take over your time because time is your most precious resource and it's also the most resource the most given away. So think about that. So when you set boundaries, there are three types of boundaries. They can be porous, rigid, or healthy. Porous boundaries are basically weak boundaries that still have holes. They lead to mistreatment, they lead to oversharing, and then they therefore create resentment. So this means, oh, I don't talk after 10 o'clock. Somebody texts you at 10.01. Okay, I'll respond to just them. And the next day they text you at 10.05. Okay, I'll respond to just them. Even though you said you put that boundary up, you're not acting in a way that shows that you have this boundary. So you're leaving a holes in there and you're going to eventually resent this person for like, why do they keep texting me after 10 o'clock when I said I don't respond to texts after 10? Well, you're responding to them. So that's what a porous boundary is. They're weak boundaries that allow for too much give so that it goes over your boundary. On the opposite of that, we have rigid boundaries. So these are very strict boundaries. So these are building walls to keep others out for your safety. They are created from a fear of vulnerability, and they do not offer room for variability. Healthy boundaries are flexible. I'm going to get into what healthy boundaries are in a minute. But if you have rigid boundaries, that means, okay, I'm never going to do this ever, no matter the circumstance, that's it. It's like, hey, I'm in the hospital. Can you come visit me after 10? No, I set up my boundary. That's a problem. (laughs) You need to really evaluate your life decisions if you're like actually shutting somebody out who is in a serious emergency. But that's what rigid boundaries are. They are very strict boundaries that really just keep other people out of your life because you really don't want to fall victim to something. And this is a defense mechanism. This isn't something healthy. And then that also means that you might have boundaries beyond what you share, behind what you share. And so then your your relationships aren't going to be reciprocal because other people are sharing for you and then you're not sharing things because you don't tell these people that. But certain people who have earned your trust deserve to know things about your life uh, that you choose to tell them. And there's no shame in that. 
So avoid rigid boundaries because they're not healthy. And then finally, in the middle of these, we have healthy boundaries. These are the only good boundaries. These boundaries allow for balance. They allow for vulnerability with people who have earned your trust. And they allow you to understand no and have the ability to say no. So healthy boundaries are, you know what? I usually don't answer a call or text after 10 o'clock, but if somebody's having an emergency and they call me five times, maybe I should pick up the phone. That's a healthy boundary. Or, you know, I have this person in my life who doesn't really know much about my past, and I think telling them this story will allow them to see me in a different way so that they can respect me better. And they have earned my trust, so I know that they will not share that with anybody else. So that level of vulnerability is good because the person has earned your trust. And then they allow you to understand no and have the ability to say no. So understanding no is just as hard as saying no, honestly. Because it's hard to say no because you've kind of been taught that saying no is mean. And saying no is not mean. Saying no is just having boundaries, having a backbone, having autonomy. And once you're able to say no, you also have to be able to understand no, because if somebody else has a boundary set up and you can't understand that they said no about this thing, then there's an issue there. Because, I mean, that's just not reciprocal. They should be able to have a boundary just as you have a boundary. So understanding no and saying no are both very difficult and healthy boundaries allow for both of those. How to set boundaries. Setting boundaries involves both communication and action. For communication, you make sure you communicate your boundaries for people so that they know they exist. You must do this verbally and assertively, not in a mean way, just assertively. Assertive is saying, sorry, I cannot do this because I cannot do that. Being mean is, no, I'm not going to do that for you. Are you kidding me? So you're just trying to find the assertive way to do it. Don't be mean. And then you really cannot imply boundaries and expect people to listen. People cannot read your mind. If you don't want them to text you at 10 o'clock, you don't tell them you don't want you to text them at 10 o'clock. They keep texting you at 10 and you're just like, why aren't they getting my boundary? It's like you haven't told them you didn't want to be texted at 10. You need to tell them that. So make sure you communicate. But then the second part of that is action. So make sure you take action to show your boundaries. You need to do the thing. Just communicating it is not enough because that can lead to mixed messages. Going back to my same example, if you say, if you tell someone, I don't want to be texted after 10, but then you keep responding to them texting you after 10, then they're not going to understand the boundary because obviously it doesn't really matter to you since you keep going over it. And then when you are setting a boundary and you're communicating the boundary, you do not have to justify a boundary. There is never a time where you owe somebody a justification for setting up a boundary in your life. If somebody demands a justification, that is them going over your comfort zone because they do not, they are not entitled to you all the time. And that's kind of in a form of like early, maybe, I don't know if it's necessarily abuse, but it's just kind of taking advantage of. Maybe they're not aware they're doing that, but it's just kind of assuming that they can take for granted what you are giving them in that you have control over that. It's just a little bit of disrespect. So you do not have to justify your boundary. 
communicate your boundary, act on your boundary. If someone asks for a justification to say, I don't need a justification and move on. Now, when we set boundaries, most people are going to naturally push back because now you're saying that you don't want them to do something they've been doing. The pushback comes out of a fear of being pushed out of their comfort zone. If they're comfortable with you giving them rides to work every single morning and suddenly you want a boundary against doing that, they're not going to be comfortable with that because that's not easy for them. It makes life harder for them. So when you are met with pushback from somebody, make sure to acknowledge that you hear the person, but be sure to re-communicate the boundary. So that's, I hear you, I hear that you like that I drive you to work every single morning, but I can no longer do that because I need to make sure I get enough sleep. Or I can no longer do that, period. So just say you heard them, rephrase what they said, and just, again, re-communicate it. Restate it. Don't justify it. Don't try to argue. Just state it. It's your boundary. That's it. So there are several types of pushback to look for out for, about six of them. So let's go through these. So the first of them is limit testing. So limit testing is testing the limits of boundaries. This is basically the person is, how much can they get away with before you reinforce the boundary? If they text you at 10.01, will you respond? If they text you at 10.02, will you respond? Maybe at 10.10 you or 10.10, you won't respond. It's just constantly trying to push the limit of what you they'll be able to get away with. And this is a form of pushback and not an appropriate response. The second form is called ignoring. So that's just blatantly ignoring the boundary and pretending it doesn't exist. Oh, they told me not to text them after 10. Yeah, I'm just going to send them a text every single night at 1010. I really don't care because they said it. I don't really care. And I just want to get my point out there. So this is somebody who really doesn't care about your boundary. And again, you just need to keep reinforcing the boundary regardless of whether or not they're ignoring it because it's still there for you. The third type of pushback is questioning or rationalizing. So this is questioning the validity of the boundary and trying to rationalize you out of the boundary. So this is, you know, why don't you want me to text you after 10? Are you sure? Because, you know, you could get some really important text messages after 10 o'clock. And if you put that boundary up, then maybe you're going to miss a lot. So this is the person who's trying to try to convince you to get away from the boundary that you've created. They're trying to very slickly do this in a way that makes it seem like maybe you're out of line for putting up this boundary because the boundary is not actually rational. And why is it there in the first place? Then we have defensiveness, number four. So defensiveness is just getting defensive over your boundary. So this is starting arguments for no reason or claiming that it's personal. Oh, you don't want to text after 10 because... You just don't like that. You don't like me. That's it. You just don't like me. That's why you don't want me to text after 10. I don't like that. That's defensiveness. Or, oh, well, you used to text so-and-so after 10. Or how come you don't do this thing for me? So defensiveness, I think everybody knows, most people know what defensiveness means, but it means really just getting defensive about something. 
So whether that could be like starting another argument over something else that's not related or just saying that you're not a good friend, just finding some way to make it so it's an argument. Number five is ghosting. So this is ghosting you by disappearing. This is either ignoring text messages and calls, actively avoiding you and not reaching out. So this is when somebody sends you, they turn on their red receipts and then they keep opening your text message so you know they get their your red receipts, but they just don't say anything. So these people are just ghosting because they want to be passive aggressive and show you like, oh, you know what? Maybe she'll understand if I just don't say anything or if I disappear, maybe they'll change the boundary then. That's what ghosting is. Or it could actually just be the person who really just kind of like taking advantage of you. And now that they can't do that anymore, they really don't want to have you in their life because they can't deal with that. And, you know, that's somebody you don't need in your life. So good for the Good for you. Good for you. You did a good thing. And then six is the silent treatment. So this is similar to ghosting, but this is actually slightly more passive aggressive. So this is you're interacting, but you're not really saying anything when you're interacting. So this is the one word text. Hi. How are you? Hi. How was your day? Good. Anything interesting happen? No. So this is what the silent treatment is. <laughs> they're still interacting in a way because it's more passive aggressive because they're still responding to you and they're expecting you to be like, oh, they're being short with me. Maybe there's something wrong. And then the other thing is they will probably say nothing when you ask what's wrong because most people don't like to be transparent about what's wrong when things are wrong. Hey, are you okay? What's going on? Nothing. And then they'll say it with that weird sarcastic tone where it's like they want you to ask about something, but they just said nothing. So it's like contradicting them. And it's like, do I have to read their mind? So yeah, that that's, that's what the silent treatment is. It's again, not an appropriate response. The only healthy and appropriate response to setting boundaries is acceptance. So acceptance the only appropriate response looks like saying, I understand. Thank you for letting me know. What is something I can do that would be okay for you? How else can I support you in this? I appreciate your trust in communicating this with me. So this is somebody who gets that you have the boundary and they just kind of accept that. They're like, oh, okay, I see you have this boundary. I respect that. Thank you for letting me know. I appreciate you let me know because now I know what not to do to hurt you. So that's really the only healthy response. And if you get any of these pushback responses, you might have to consider whether or not this person really respects you. Because there's a way to be met with a boundary where you don't get defensive about it or you don't start being passive aggressive about it because somebody's putting up a boundary. That just means they need this thing so that they can be a good person for themselves. It's not personal. So people who don't respect your boundaries might not be good people. Maybe they are trying to manipulate you slowly. And if they are a manipulative person or a narcissist or something who really only wants you because they can kind of take advantage of you and they're upset that you're setting up boundaries so they can no longer do that, that's not a person you want in your life. So if you're met with all these pushback types and after you go over the fact that, hey, this is pushback, I really don't appreciate that, and they're still pushing back on your boundary... Really evaluate whether or not they are truly your friend. 
I remember at the beginning of this year, I had a certain person that I needed to establish a boundary with. And when I established the boundary, I was met with a lot of pushback. And then I just couldn't deal with that anymore. And it was just really disrespectful to me. And I could no longer stand that. And I realized that that person was just not my friend anymore and that they didn't respect me enough to respect me. (laughs) So I, I just couldn't have that in my life because it was causing me a certain level of stress that I did not need. And those decisions are difficult because maybe this person has been in your life for a long time and maybe they're your only friend in a certain area. There might be a lot riding on this friendship, but... If you constantly feel like a piece of crap because they're treating you like that, that's not a good friendship to have. Now, moving on, here are some common boundaries that you should probably set. So we have work boundaries. So these are boundaries. I work 9 to 5. I do not work at 5.15. I do not work at 5.30. I do not work at 8.45. I work 9 to 5. That is when I am working. I do not look at my email outside of that. That is work. And you have social media boundaries. Maybe you're not going to put your bikini pics on your Facebook if you're a teacher with your regular name as your Facebook name. That's probably not a good idea. So you need to have that boundary. Or maybe you're not going to share every little aspect of your life. I know recently I didn't share a recital I did on social media because I wasn't too confident with it. And that was a little boundary I put up on social media because I knew that that's what I had to do. And you have school boundaries. So these can be boundaries with school, like I don't work past 8 o'clock. Or this could be boundaries surrounding school, as in when I'm in school, I will not do this thing because I'm in school. Then you have social life boundaries. So this is, I don't hang out with people during the week, or after eight o'clock, I do not leave my apartment. So these are little boundaries for your social life. Then you have activity boundaries. I will not do this activity. It's kind of straightforward. (laughs) So if you don't want to run because you have a reason for running, maybe you hate running. So that's an activity boundary. Someone asks you to run. Sorry, I don't run. And If it's a boundary, it's not something that, like, they can really push on. I mean, it's not like a rigid boundary. Like, maybe if you were being chased by somebody with a knife, you're going to start running. But (laughs) you're not going to go on running for leisure, you know? And we have time boundaries. So these are boundaries for your time. So this is basically like what I just said. After 10 o'clock, I don't do this thing. Or I will only devote three hours a day to practicing. I will only devote one hour a day to talking on the phone. I will set aside one hour of my day for each meal. I will set aside time for a nap. So these are putting boundaries on your time so that you know what to expect and you know how to manage your time better. See episode 9 for scheduling and episode 18 with Aubrey where I talk more about scheduling. And I think that's also an episode... Is that 33? 33 with um, Dr. Matthew Claus, where we talk about scheduling and time. 
Then you have home slash life boundaries. So these are, do you talk about your home life at work? Or do you tell your spouse everything that happened at work? Do you take home work issues and bring them into the house? Do you bring home issues into work? Can you spend time with your family without thinking about other things? How much time do you spend with your family? Things like that. And then finally, you have conversation boundaries. So these are boundaries like, I will not tolerate oversharing. If I ask the cashier how their day was and they suddenly get into like this whole long monologue about how like their wife left them and then they're alone with their kids and I did not ask for that, that's something I can kind of tune out because that that is a lot of oversharing that you did not ask for. Like You did not need to be emotionally dumped on. So that's one form of conversation boundaries. Another is, I'm not going to talk about politics at Thanksgiving because that's not a necessary conversation to have. Period. That's a boundary you can have. It can be about anything. If you are really uncomfortable by certain conversation topics, like something triggers you, then put a boundary in the sand. I will not talk about this. And that's it. So I hope you enjoyed this episode on boundaries, this uh, revised episode because I feel like our first Boundaries episode could have gotten more deep into this. And the reading this book has been very, very beneficial to me. I've been really enjoying learning more about boundaries and what is appropriate to set it, because I have not put up boundaries in the past and been very resentful and taken advantage of and didn't have enough time for myself. And I really needed that. So now reading this book and going back to it is really helpful. So again, the book is called Set Boundaries, Find Peace, A Guide to Reclaiming Yourself by Nedra glover Tawab. And then you can look at episode three if you are so inclined to go back to that one. So with that, I'm going to move on to Roses, Buds, and Thorns. Roses, Buds, and Thorns is a segment I do each week on the podcast to cultivate a level of authenticity and gratitude. Because when things are going well, there's usually something that's not going too great. And when things aren't going too great, hey, there's usually something I can be grateful for. So a rose is something good that happened, a bud is something you're looking forward to, and a thorn is something bad that happened. So I always like to start with my thorn so I can end on positive notes. So my thorn, I have been moving a lot less because of time management. And it kind of sucks that this is what's having to happen because... When I go on runs, it takes two hours of my time, whereas if I go on an hour-long walk, it only takes that hour. So I usually end up going on walks instead. And then that's also a less efficient way of getting all your steps in for the day. And then I feel like I'm moving less. But um, yeah, so I haven't had much time to do runs recently because I have a lot going on. I have two tours coming up in the next two weeks. I have this preliminary oral exam that I have starting like next week and I'm kind of terrified about because I only just started preparing for it. I have two big assignments coming up in class this weekend. So I have a lot going on and I just can't move as much as I would like to be moving. So that's my thorn this week. But I did start using my desk cycle again. My mom reminded me that I have a desk cycle. I would encourage you to invest in a desk cycle. The one that I have is about $200, but it was definitely worth the price. It's basically like a set of pedals that goes under your desk and then you just kind of pedal away so you're not just sitting still for like three hours. So I started using that again. So that's kind of, you know, taken away. So look at me fixing my thorn. 
Then my rose is that I had my third DMA recital this past weekend. And my parents and Andre came up for it. So, yeah, I'm three. I have three of the six done now, which means I am like halfway done with this degree outside of the comprehensive exams that I have to take and then the final paper I have to do and then the extra comprehensive. Okay, so I have a lot left to do, but I'm three recitals down, three recitals to go because I still have two solo recitals and a lecture recital. But I'm done with the third it went pretty well. I thought some of that was the best I've ever played. And as usual, some of that was probably not the best I've ever played. But most of it was good. And I'm glad I just kind of got that over with. I was at this level where I just really wanted to cross the box off. Like I was just really ready to get it done, which is why I didn't even put in effort to kind of promoting it or anything. So yeah, I'm glad I finished that recital. And now I feel like I'm halfway done with all my recitals because I am. And then finally is my bud. I have two tours coming up in the next few weeks. So next weekend, April 8th through the 11th, I'm going to go down to Florida. I'm going to Daytona Beach in Fort Myers with Sarah Frass. And then the following weekend, April 13th to the 17th, I'm going to be in Boston also with the Sarah Frass. So I'm very much looking forward to these tours because that means I get to tour with a group of professional musicians and I get to leave school. Um, <laughs> But I'm also doing this in the middle of the school year, so I'm going to be met with that pushback and stress because I still have all these assignments I need to get done. Um, but you know what? I, I'm just glad that I have these tours coming up because it'll be fun. It'll start my career because I do want to be a touring musician one day. And doing that now is definitely more than I could ask for because I wasn't doing this a year ago. So, yeah. But with that being said... Because of these tours and all the coursework I have with this oral exam and then the two classes I have coming to a close, so all the final papers and things like that, I really need to take a month off of this podcast. So I'm going to be taking off the month of April, and I really appreciate all of you, and I'll speak to you again in May. So in the meantime, just catch up on some episodes you've missed. I might post these, like repost them every week so you have a reposted episode to go back and listen to so you know what to listen to and it looks like I'm still making episodes but I mean I might not so here are my top 10 episodes that you can go and check out on your own leisure so it's episode 8 navigating glows episode 10 10 tips to being your best self episode 11 running in discipline with Kaylee Bernard episode 17 celebrating your success episode 18 Optimizing Performance with Aubrey Ford, Episode 19, Finding Yourself and Loving Yourself, Episodes 20 and 21, Growth Mindset, Episode 23, Burnout, Episode 14, Physical Therapy, Recreational Sports and Navigating Life with Gretzkin Piggott, and Episode 31, Finding Your Purpose with Khadijah Williams. So please check these out in the next couple of weeks while I'm not going to be posting. Um, I will, I promise I will get back to this podcast in May. You'll have a nice episode from me and I'll be like, hello, I haven't talked to you in like a month, but I'm back and I have more stuff to talk about. So thank you for your patience with me as I am working through a whole DMA and a whole touring career and just trying to navigate my life. And I really appreciate all of you for continuing to listen to this podcast, um, as these changes are, are happening. So I will see you in May. So just have a great month.
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Harmony and Healing. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Harmony and Healing Podcast. And you can find me personally at The Jazzy Tubist on both Facebook and Instagram. And at my website, jasminepiggit.com. Thank you.